you can go ahead and turn in or own your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 is where we're really going to hang for most of the day. There's other scriptures that will be referenced, but you'll be able to, to do that. Um, I want to read you this. It's actually not even from this campus. It's from, so many of you know, we're working towards launching a campus in Florence, South Carolina, about an hour up the road, and, and we're working towards that, and great things are happening. Yeah, come on. And um, great things are happening there, and Justin and Amber, uh, our campus directors there, and doing a great job at leading people, building a launch team, getting things ready, so that hopefully in 2022, we have a full streaming campus out there in Florence. But I want to read you a story that Amber, Justin's wife, sent us this week from the Florence campus. It says, it, I'm going to read it straight through because she says it as good as I could, and, and, and all the details are in there. It says this, we were put in touch with a family right outside of Florence County. Um, from a lady who attends Radiate Columbia campus. A single mom who recently lost her significant other tragically and had been living in a hotel, and then she was in a shelter with all five of her children, ages 10, 9, 7, 5, and 1, and she's pregnant with one on the way. I got three, and that makes me cringe. That was a joke. Um, she was... Somebody said, no, not really. Um, she was approved for public housing and was going to be able to move into a place of her own. They had, this is all they had, one small bag with a few articles of clothing, power, and water. That's all they had. So immediately, the Radiate Florence campus uh, came to action. That night, the same night they found out about it, a family from the Florence campus loaded up and dropped off a king mattress, took it to the house, so that the mom and the babies would have somewhere to sleep instead of the floor. Come on, that same night. You know what I'm saying? Like, no time wasted. Love it. That's not even all. The next night, we received a phone call from a person in the community. Next day, sorry. In the community who wanted to go shopping and fully supply all the items they needed for the kitchen and then some. So now they got a fully stocked kitchen. Then we had others donate pots, pans, and a full bathroom set. And with all the monetary donations, one of our Radiate Florence campus members uh, was able to provide all new clothing for all five children. They had one bag of clothing, now they all have new clothes. Come on. And to finish it off, we were able to secure, and they later installed, a washer and dryer for her so she didn't have to drag all of the babies to the laundromat to wash clothes. Come on. I can't take my three to Target, much less a laundromat. In a matter of a few days, this single mom of five, soon to be six, will not have to worry about an empty house because of the community, the church coming together to fill it up. She was able to see a group of people whom she's never even met before help her for absolutely no reason at all. She knows, most importantly, that she matters. She knows that she's not alone and that she was created for a purpose and on purpose. And she got to see the church in action. She was pointed to Jesus through the entire process. Come on, let's make some noise for what the church can do when we take responsibility of the need in front of us to show people that Jesus is the source. Jesus is the source. That, my friends, that's church. That's, this is church, right? This is church, but that's church. Like, I grew up hearing that we had church today, and that meant that somebody was running the back of the pews. 
We had church today. You know what I'm saying? Like on Thursday and Wednesday and Friday, we had church during the week. By meeting somebody's needs in their life, man, is so, so good. Like I could go story after story of so many things of what God did this week, but that was my favorite one, and I love uh, reading stories like that. I kind of want to continue moving on that because the whole thing is about pointing people to Jesus. It's all about going, Jesus is the answer, and here's just tangible ways that I can make a difference, and we get to be a part of this thing, and as we come into contact with people, and we come into contact with lives, I just want you to know that like we serve, and here's the title of the message today, A Crazy Good God. We serve a crazy good God. And here's the thing. Here's what I know. I've been pastoring in some capacity for about 20 years. I've been the lead pastor of this church for nine and a half. And here's what I know. We have, we, not you, we have some messed up views of God. We've brought theology that isn't even biblical. And theology is the study of God into the church, and into our lives. We, we have these mentalities that are distorted, and I want to take a little while today, as you can tell, I'm in teaching mode today. I got my whiteboard out. You know, I like using my whiteboard when I can. Um, I think a lot of us live a distorted view of God. And if we can just really straighten up our view of God, then it It'll change, it'll change everything. Have you ever, let me, let me put it to you like this, because if we have a distorted view of God and we start talking to other people out of a distorted view, then we're actually giving them something that's not even God. Let, let, me, let, me, let me put it like this. Have, have you ever, so this summer, let me, let me tell a personal story. This summer, I went and visited our best friends out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My wife and my kids, we took a 17-hour road trip out there, right? Like, first of all, don't ever do that. Um, we loved being there. I loved getting out of the car when it was time. Um, so we went out there and hung out, and y'all, I got popped because I was talking to my best friend. His name's Chuck. He preaches here sometimes. He's on our board of overseas. He's an amazing guy, right? And, when, and his executive pastor's name is Chris. And so I was talking to Chris and Chuck, and I was telling them about all, like this snack that was just incredible. I don't even want to say the name of it. I'm not getting into all that. So I was like, Hey, this is incredible. Like, you know me. If, you, if you've been at this church long, if not, it won't take you long to figure this out. I, am, I can be quite extreme sometimes, right? I can go to the extreme. I can be, you know. So, like, I'm like, y'all, this thing, there's, like, Jesus, and then there's, 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 there's marriage, and then there's this. Like, that is the level of life change for this thing. And, like, so I go, and I buy it, and I give them uh, 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 what it is, and, and they take it. And you know what they looked at me and said? They were like, you are really good at selling stuff that's terrible. <laughs> they were like, dude, I don't know if it's just that bad or that you hyped it up to such a level that I was expecting something that was incredible, and it just wasn't absolutely incredible. And I was like, no, you're wrong. You're just wrong, and I'm going to live by that. I didn't sell you anything wrong. And that's what we can do spiritually sometimes. And it's not that we're hyping God to a place that he can't live up to. Sometimes it's not even that we're hyping God up. It's that we're selling something that's not even godly. We're selling convictions that are personal as biblical. We're selling, selling mindsets to people that we've developed over our hurts rather than our spiritual growth. Are you with me? And we can sell it. And here's what can happen. If, if I go and I'm taking a straight line up I-20, to Atlanta, and I get one degree off, 
of that road, and I just keep going straight, but I'm one degree off. What's going to happen? Over time, I'm not going to end up anywhere close to Atlanta, am I? I'm not going to be anywhere close to where I want to be. I'm going to be way over here because I went one degree off for a long time, and there's a lot of us, including me at times, there's a lot of us to get one degree off where God wants us to go, in the, the direction of God's character, in the direction of God's love, in the direction of leading people and growing his church and, and loving people. We get one degree off and then 10 years later we look and go, how did I get here? This isn't, this isn't even like where God wants us, wants us to be. So I, my, my heart today is that um, I want us to walk out of here feeling a little less weight than we walked in with today. Because I believe there's a lot of us that walked in carrying a weight that God's going, I never asked you to carry that. And all you got to do is realize something, change your perspective, change your view on some things, and all of that will shift. Because here's what I know. I know that what I perceive, I receive. And so if I perceive something, like, let me give it to you like this. If I wake up and I think my wife is in a bad mood that day, right? And she's got an attitude problem, right? And let's say she thinks that about me, whatever it is. Whatever I now say or hear is filtered through my perception of how I perceived her. So she could go, hey, will you pick up your underwear from next to the pamper, right? Y'all are like, that's a weird illustration. Y'all do it. It's a conversation in your house. Get over it. But if, I, if she said that, and I perceive she has an attitude problem that day, then that is a threatful thing to say to me, and I'm going to snap back. But if I wake up and go, hey, I perceive she's in a good mood, so when she says that, we laugh about it. What's the difference? What I perceive, I receive. So therefore, my perception changes my reception of something. And many of us have a wrong perception of God and the kingdom of God, and so therefore anything he does for us we receive as something negative. God gives me all these rules and regulations. No, God gives me all these, these protections in my life. Are you with me? I have a three-year-old. My three-year-old does not like a car seat. He doesn't like a car seat. doesn't like a car seat at all. However... If I come into church and you see my three-year-old driving my car, what, he, that's what he wants to do. He ought to be able to drive my car because he wants to drive my car, right? No, what do you say? Put him in his car seat to keep him what? Safe. Man, we should really keep our kids safe, but God doesn't have to keep his kids safe. Because I perceive God as a mean, judgmental, ruling God, I now receive instructions he has for me as rules and regulations rather than protections over my life. And, and you see the perception difference here. And so there's, there's all this stuff that, that takes place. Watch this. The enemy, can I just tell you, the enemy does not care that you're here today. Does not care. Doesn't bother him at all. The enemy does not care that you're just saying, I'm going to see a victory. He just don't want you to believe it. The enemy doesn't care that you're sitting in here today. He cares that you walk out there and do something with it. Are you with me? The enemy doesn't care if you read your Bible. He cares when the Bible begins to read you. He doesn't care if you pray with people. He cares if you believe what you pray. Come on. Y'all got to help me today. It's all a perception thing because the enemy, his whole thing is if he can get us a distorted view of God, then now here's what's happened. 
God is this way. He is a negative, mean, bully God, all this stuff. I got a distorted view of God. And now everybody I talk to about God is filtered through that distortion. And now he has not distorted one view of God, but ten families' view of God. And now everything is shifted because we were one degree off. He does not care that you're here. He cares how you view God. Watch it. I can prove it to you. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. Genesis 3 and 4 through 5. Here's what happens. It's the beginning of creation. He's created everything. He's created man and woman. He's put them in the Garden of Eden, right? He told them. He said, hey, you can eat of anything in this garden except that one tree. She goes, yeah, except that one tree. But here's the reality. I'm going to eat that one tree. I'm going to complain about not getting that one tree. I'm going to be mad about not getting that one tree. I want that one tree. Everything else in the garden is better than that one tree, but I want that one tree because you told me I can't have that one tree. Isn't that human nature? I got a good job, but it ain't the job I want. I want that job over there. And when you get that job over there, it ain't good enough. The marriage I got now ain't good enough. Let me go water that grass. The grass ain't always greener on the other side. Water your own doggone grass. Are you with me today? Are we here? Let's just talk about it, right? And so he's over there, and here's the tree, and blah, 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 like all this stuff. And here's what the enemy shows up. It says a serpent shows up, or it can be translated as seraphim. Shows up, right? Gets in there. <laughs> and he goes, hey, what did God tell you to do and not to do? She said, well, he told me I couldn't eat from this tree, and here's what would happen if he did. This is the instruction. Now, she just had a conversation with God. She knows what he said. The enemy looks at her in verses 4 and 5. He says this. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes, where'd it go? <laughs> I was reading it off the screen. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He goes, God's just playing with you. You won't die. He's just worried you'll know more than he will. It's okay. And just like anybody else, it's, hey, I want to try that then. And here's what happened. He distorted what God said. He didn't say God's lying. He said God didn't mean it that way which is a distortion of the biblical truth and character of God. And if we live that out, here's what happens. The more distorted of a view we live, the more our actions live out our, our view. And so we'll make decisions based on a view that isn't even biblical. And it went, See, the, the problem wasn't the apple. The problem was the view. The problem was the distortion. So let me keep, let me keep going, right? And, and here's how I can show you. Where's it at? Here it is. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30 today. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Different, different view. Here's, here's what Jesus says. This is a popular portion of scripture, but I'm going to show you, I'm going to clear some distortion up today. Because a lot of us think serving God's hard. Living for God's hard. Why does God not want me to do this and he'll let me do that? And why is all this? Watch this. Here's what 11, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30 is written up here. For my yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is light. There's four key words in this whole phrase, in this whole verse, that changes everything about your view of God. It changes everything about the way that we see God. Here's one of them, right? I'm going to break it down. Yoke. Let's go to this one first. That word yoke. That word yoke is mentioned in verse 29 and 30 that we just read. Because in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. Can I tell you, he's not talking about the yoke that goes on an oxen's neck. 
See, back in those days, I need to break this down quickly. I'm going to go fast. I'm not giving technical terms. I, can't, I don't have time to go into that, but I'm going to give you the overview. Watch this. In those days, there's something called a rabbi's yoke. See, in that culture, you got to understand, he's our savior. But to many of them, he was their rabbi, their pastor, their teacher. There was something called the rabbi's yoke. Here's what you did. Here's what the rabbi's yoke, simply broken down very quickly, was if you wanted to be a disciple of a rabbi or a teacher, you applied to their teaching. You applied to them. There's three levels you had to go through. The first level was you had to memorize the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. You had to memorize them. Y'all, I can't memorize my banking account number. I, I call each of my kids by every other kid's name until I get to theirs. And like, I got to memorize the Torah. I got to memorize the first five books of the Bible. So they go back, they memorize this, they learn from this, and then they go back and they go, all right, here's what I know. And the rabbi then can go, you passed or failed. If you failed, you can go back and you can relearn it. If you pass, you go to stage two. Stage two is not only do you know the Torah, you know the Old Testament. You memorize the Old Testament. Again, I call my kids my dog's name. They want us to know the whole Old Testament. So they go for years. They spend their entire childhood learning this stuff. Right? And so they go through and they're learning the Torah. They're learning the Old Testament. They go to the rabbi. They memorize it. They tell the rabbi what they learned. They tell the rabbi what they know. And here's what the rabbi goes. Hey, you're, yeah, you did good enough. Yeah, you memorized that, Shaniqua. Good job. Woohoo! Or, nah, you fail. And you can either keep going or you can go back and relearn it. And then... If you pass stage two, then you apply to become, then, only then can you apply to become a disciple of that rabbi. And that rabbi would test you on something. That rabbi would test you on something called the rabbi's yoke. And here's what the rabbi's yoke was. The rabbi's yoke was their interpretation of scripture. It was their interpretation it was their interpretation of the teaching of the kingdom. It was their interpretation of how you live this out. It was their interpretation. So you would spend, if you became a disciple, you would spend hours, days, weeks, years learning their yoke. Because they were, they were, they were multiplying their beliefs into you. And there were two phrases that they would use. If you failed the rabbi's yoke, here's what they'd say. Go and continue your family trade. Or, if you passed, they would look at you and say, come, follow me. Doesn't that sound really, really similar to something Jesus said to about 12 guys that were continuing their family trade, which means that they were already denied by other rabbis? And weren't able, because this was a Jewish tradition, so if they were Jewish, they had already been denied and weren't able to be a rabbi's disciple of anybody so they were continuing their family trade and Jesus goes hey I don't need you to come in and memorize anything I need you to come and follow me because my yoke everybody else's yoke is hard but my yoke is what every other teacher tried to make it as hard as possible because they wanted the best of the best of the best of the best Jesus said, I'll take a ragtag bunch of declines that have already been out there. They're fishing. They're making tents. They're doing everything else. Give me those guys and let them come follow me. Give me 12 of them and I'll turn the doggone world upside down because my yoke, my teaching, my interpretation is what? Easy. Let's look at this one. Let's look at this one. My burden, my burden, my burden. 
When we hear the word burden, man, we just kind of, we tighten up. Oh, I don't want no burden. If you, if you interpret, translate burden, it actually means responsibility. I ran out of room. It'll be what it'll be. Burden means responsibility. So if he goes, my yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is what? Then here's what he's saying. The responsibility to live out my interpretation. Not only is my interpretation easy to grasp, but my responsibility to you to live that out is not heavy. It is light. It's not difficult to do. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. This is crazy. This is so good. This is so good. I love this stuff. I'm nerding out a little bit. So you got the rabbi's yoke, right? Why was Jesus' interpretation of Scripture so much lighter? Why was it so much easier? Let's go flip back over with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 and verse 17. It says this. It says, do not think that I came to what? Abolish the law. But to what? Fulfill the law. All right. So this is where. Jesus begins to make his yoke easy and his responsibility light. Here's how. He says, I came not to abolish or erase. See, in the Old Testament, here's what he's talking about. When it comes to the law, he's not talking about, like, not speeding. He's talking about the Old Testament temple scriptures that you had to, you had to sacrifice this and you had to sacrifice that on this day and in this way. And, and if there was a, a, a covenant that was made, if you ever read in the Old Testament about covenant, they'll literally take like a, a bull. They'll cut it in half and half will be over here and half will be over here. And the way that you solidified a covenant was you walk between the two halves of the bull. That was a law. There was laws of sacrifice. There was all kinds of stuff. So here's what he's saying. I did not come to erase... The law. I did not come to get rid of the 300 plus laws that have already been written through the Mosaic law. I didn't come to erase all that stuff. I didn't come to get rid of all that stuff. I didn't come to get, like, that stuff is good because it keeps us where we need to be. It protects us and it gets us closer to God, the Father who wants a relationship with us. He goes, but that's hard. Like, that's heavy. That's hard to live out. Those 300 plus laws are hard to live out. Men, humans can't do it. Humans can't live that out. So here's what he does. He goes, now I will fulfill or become. Watch this. He said, I didn't come to erase the law. But because you can't fulfill it, I will become what you can't fulfill. I will become the difficulty of religious duty. And I will take it on myself as, this is important, as the spotless lamb. And I will sacrifice what you can't become on the cross, and I will fulfill it. Why is this important? It goes back to the law. Because, you know, we talked about the tithe. Did you know that every farmer, every rancher in that day, what they would do is they'd take their best top half, top 10% of the crop. They wouldn't take their worst they wouldn't go, give me a nasty, messed up donkey where his parents were actually like cousins. Give me that donkey and I'll sacrifice that donkey. No, the way you did it is you gave it pure, spotless lamb. The lamb that was perfect. 
and you sacrifice that. Why would you sacrifice that? Because it was redemption for what you could not fulfill. It was redemption for what you could not pay. It was redemption for what you have done and will do. In the temple, you sacrifice that. This is where religious duty came from. If I do this, then I will be forgiven for that. If I chant this way, if I pray that way, if I close my eye, if I, if I, if I, if I, that is religious duty. Jesus said, I don't need religious duty. I am everything you need me to be. I am perfect. I am the Lamb of God. I will become what you cannot become. I will fulfill what you cannot do, and I will hang it on a cross. I will be everything you need me to be because I know that at some point everything is going to change in your life, and what you're going to try to be you cannot be but I already am I take it all I take it all we need a new red marker um I take it all because I am the I'm the sacrifice he says my yoke my interpretation my yoke my rabbi's yoke is is what easy it's easy and, and my burden, my responsibility, what I want to do in your life and how I want you to live this thing out is light. So why? Why does serving God feel so heavy and difficult sometimes? Why is it so hard? Maybe because I'm not carrying his yoke and I'm carrying mine. Maybe I haven't hooked up to his interpretation but I've created my own interpretation. Maybe it's, you know, like there's things in here because it's really, really, really difficult to live by freedom when we're bound by weight. Watch, what, what does 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 17 say? 2 Corinthians, I, I, I'm having a struggle here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 3, 17, not 5, sorry. It says this, it says, now the Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is there, there, somebody say there, there is liberty. Here's what he's saying, the Lord is the Spirit, he's talking about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Lord is the Spirit, and there, where he is, where is there, there is here, here is where he is. And God is everywhere. Why is he everywhere? Because the veil was torn in half that now sent the Spirit into your life and my life and into our work and into our church and into our home and into our car and into our bad moments and into our good moments. And no matter what happens, he is there. So where there is, where he is, there in that place is freedom. <laughs> so why is it so heavy? Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? Because maybe... I'm not there. I'm here. And I'd rather be here than where he is. Because it's hard to live by freedom when I'm bound by weight. It's hard to live by God's interpretation of kingdom when I've created my own. See, there's some things that he's placed in his yoke, in his teaching, and in the Bible. This is why it's so important to know the word of God because it is his yoke. The word of God is, is the yoke. It is how we get to know how to live this out. I can't, I am so tired of people claiming the name of Christ and shunning the burden of Christ. I love Jesus. 
It's awesome. Me too. You know what else I love? I love the Atlanta Braves, but I'll never play for them. Here's the great thing. I can love Jesus and still be on his team. There's a lot of us that love Jesus, but we won't live our lives by it. We want the easy yoke, but we just don't want the burden. I don't want to go to hell more than I want to live kingdom on earth. Because what does Jesus say? He says, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. See, we're, we're in this thing to where we, it's easy to claim Christ. But the real test comes when I have to carry the burden of living for Christ. And he's got these things that are all throughout the Bible. I got a few written down. They're probably going to make you like cringe a little bit. You ready for that? I love, I love making people cringe because I see what you don't get to see. Everybody's face. Because what he puts in the Bible is not rules and regulations. It's protections. It's, it's car seats. I can protect my son, but God shouldn't protect his. No, I'm crazy. Y'all know this about me already in like 25 minutes right here. I'm crazy. I get excited a lot. I, 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 can, I, I, I just want to do weird things. I just, I just, I'm quirky, right? Like, we got a counselor that attends our church. I probably need to see her more often, you know? Like, for real, I love that stuff. Like, I believe in that stuff, so I don't want you to think I'm making fun of it. The truth is, is like, I just, God needs to protect me from me sometimes. You ever get like that? Because I'd get off, I'd get off, man. I'd get that one degree off a lot. And God puts things like this, like, he, he, he puts, this is, this is one of the things we like to make up our own interpretation. The Bible says don't get drunk. So, therefore, if you look at a Michelob Ultra, you're going to hell. No, see, here's the reality. Some of us can walk, it, walk up and we can partake in something without crossing over into the extreme. Some of us can't. There's some things in my life, and it depends on the level of influence and impact you want. Can I just be real? If I want great influence and impact, guess what? I need to keep my mouth shut about some things. I don't need to tell you how terrible you are because you got a vaccine or didn't. I don't need to tell you my opinion on a mask. You don't even need to know who I voted for because who cares? I want spiritual influence. You, you don't need to know what I drink, when I drink, or how I drink because it don't matter. In fact, I probably need to stay away from it because I want a greater influence in my life. See, there's gray areas that sometimes we need to stay in the light rather than the dark. Oh, there's, 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 there's that. And then he says stuff like this. He says stuff like this. Keep the marriage bed holy. Growing up, we took that as sex is terrible. Y'all, I'm married now. I didn't learn the other side. That was a lie from the pit of hell. But what we do is we make up our own interpretation because it's easier to go to the extreme of it's horrible. You following me? Than to learn the maturity of the responsibility of carrying out his interpretation. Sex ain't terrible, but it's harmful when it's outside of the context of the way God meant it to be. That's the problem. When we don't do it according to the responsibility I have for his interpretation, then you got stuff like this, like you should give 10% of your finances. Well, that's just the church's way of making money. That's a biblical thing. 
It's literally in the Bible. Like if I can recite John 3.16, why do I get to dismiss that? And that's fine. Like, I don't think you'll go to hell if you don't tithe. I just think your 100% is going to be way less blessed than your 90% could be. That's what I believe. That's what I know. That's what I interpret. See, I don't get to pick and choose. I either live for Jesus and his interpretation, or I live for me. And I die to me and my yoke, right? And then he says stuff like this. In 1 Timothy and in Titus and all throughout, they're talking about live above reproach. Oh, i got to be perfect. No, you don't. It doesn't say that. It says make decisions that don't bring your character and the impact of the church under scrutiny. That's literally what it's talking about. If you want to be a leader, quit talking about things that are going to drive people away from the church and away from you. Be a, Can we just talk about Are y'all okay? Is this helping somebody today? Like, this is the yoke. This is what we need to talk about. I don't know if my voice is going to make it one more, more service. Here's another one. He says this. He says the two most important things that you can do. Two most important things. Here's what, Jesus says, I'm going to give you these two commandments. And when you do these two, we'll figure the rest out. As we grow, as you grow with me, as you pray to me, as you read my yoke, as you know my yoke, as you get to know my spirit, everything else will work itself out. But these two right here, you got to work hard on. It's this. you got to love me, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. What? Hold on. Watch this. Neighbor doesn't mean the person next to you. Neighbor doesn't mean the person that agrees with you. Neighbor doesn't mean the person with the same skin color as you. Neighbor doesn't mean the same vaccine card status as you. Neighbor doesn't mean Republican or Democrat. Neighbor means whoever is looking you in the eye right now, that is your neighbor. Love them as you love yourself. He said, this is, this is my yoke. And honestly, watch this. It's easy. Stay away from what doesn't draw us closer. And take the responsibility of it. Man, I, I, I just wish we'd, we'd live. I'm going to give you three ways. Oh, Lord. Three ways. I'm going super fast. I'm not even diving deep, right? So you got to write them down quick. Three ways to experience the fullness of Jesus. Because what is the, it says, John 10, 10. It says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It doesn't mean in one fell swoop, if you watch this movie, he's going to cut your head off and you'll go to hell. It means over time, he's stealing your joy which kills your soul, and he will destroy you internally over time. It's usually not one big thing. It's usually that pornography that you watch over years that nobody knows about until they do. That erodes the way that you see women and men, and it changes your sexual desires. And actually, scientifically, it changes your brain waves and the way your brain works. That, still kill and destroy. Let's go. Three things. One, we can experience the fullness of Jesus. When we realize his goodness. See, it doesn't say my yoke is easy as long as everything's going well and you don't lose a family member and you got all the money you need and you're getting everything. No. He says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Watch this. The scripture teaches us that he walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. That he will never leave us nor forsake us. And it also says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if his yoke was easy and, light, and his burden was light, when he wrote this and said this, his yoke is still easy and his burden is still light. See, it doesn't mean you won't go through difficulty. It means when you do, 
his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It doesn't mean your marriage is perfect, but it means when all hell breaks loose, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Are you with me today? Like, yeah, I'm glad somebody's excited in the room. I don't know who that was, but I love you. See, his yoke. When it's easy, it's easy and light. When it's hard, it's easy and light. We realize his goodness that no matter what, he is still good. Here's another one. Here's another one. We re- accept the purpose of the burden. We accept that the burden, the responsibility of the yoke to live out what he's teaching us, that he became the spotless lamb to fulfill the law, not to erase the law, so that there's parts of the law that we just lean on him for. Watch this. Our responsibility of the burden is that we don't get to choose the burden. We get to choose whether we accept the burden or not. And whether we accept the burden or not makes us either a really informed person or a transformed person of the Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords that gave his life for you and for me. We have to accept our burden. And then watch this. We embrace our role. Can I change your life right now? You're not God. And I'm not God. But when I live by my yoke, I'm pretending to be God. And that's why it gets heavy and hard. You with me? I'm not God. You're not God. I don't know why he does what he does, but I know that one day I'll be able to zoom out and see the grander picture. And here's what I know. I don't know why he does what he does, but I know that it's easy and light. And it doesn't have to be hard and heavy. And, 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 and the truth is, is like, before you're a husband, a wife, before you're a, a mom or a dad, before you're, a, you're serving your church and a leader in your church, which I think is the purpose of Christians is to serve the local church. Like, I believe all that. But before you're any of that, before I'm a pastor, can I tell you what I am? I'm a son. And I'm not talking about a physical son. I'm talking about a spiritual son. I got a spiritual father that is like the prodigal son. He's standing on his porch, and every time we walk away, he stands there with tears dripping down his face in the moment where I've made my biggest mistake, and he's waiting on me to show up at the end of that driveway and wonder how my dad's going to receive me. And he jumps up out of that rocking chair and hikes that robe up, and he runs down that driveway with tears running down his face and hugs my neck and goes, I've been waiting on you my son and tonight we party because you're home because my yoke is what easy and my burden is light and today like I can I can see it I can see it all over I can see it the weight is lifting because you're going wait a second this is a whole lot easier it's a whole lot lighter it's it's not me anymore I just lean on Jesus what does Jesus say about Marriage, what does Jesus say about finances? What does Jesus say about parenting? What does Jesus say about changing the world? Like, what does Jesus say about all this stuff? Not my interpretation, but his. And maybe you walked in today with a distorted view. My prayer is that you walk out with a new view. Some of you need to hear this. God doesn't hate you. God loves you unconditionally. God has not left you. God is waiting on you. God isn't mad at you. God wants you. And our distorted view can change everything about how we live. And I just want you to know today 
that we serve a God that said, I want relationship with my people so bad that I will become everything they can't fulfill and hanging on a cross so that it's easy and it's light and we can change the world together and you and I get to be a part of that family. Would you bow your heads today? I just want to pray over you. And here's the deal. I want us to walk out and live this burden every single day. If you're in the room and you say, man, I, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I've heard this in a way I've never heard it before. and I've never given my life to Jesus and actually submitted it. I want to do that today. I want to give Jesus my life. I want a prayer, prayer of submission that I was wrong and I want forgiveness. I want to start over. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up right where you are today and just say, I want the salvation of eternity in Jesus. Amen. Father, I just pray over you, pray, pray to you over everybody in the room today. God, I thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. It doesn't have to be heavy and it doesn't have to be hard. But God, we can live with you because you are good. And everything you've placed in your word, in your yoke, is to teach us and help us and protect us and guide us and lead us closer to you. And God, I pray that we would do that. I pray we'd lean into your yoke and we'd take the responsibility of living that out in a great way. Father, we honor you and we worship you. Let us draw closer to you. Thank you for an easy and light relationship with the Savior of the universe. God, we honor you and praise you. In your name, would you put your hands together and make some noise for King Jesus in this house? I got one thing. On your way out today, I want to ask you to do something to consider joining a team. Here's all I need you to do. We got Christmas coming up. We want you to be a part of serving people in this church because I believe our next season is going to be our most rapidly growing season we've ever been in, and we want you to be a part of the mission of that. So if you would just swing by the Connect Center tent and say, hey, I'm going to sign up. I just want more information on getting on a team and what that would look like with my schedule and how I can help change people's lives. If you're not on a team, you are missing out. I'm letting you know. Do that and grab some invite cards on your way out. Invite somebody to the presence of Jesus at Radiate Church with you next week. Hey, Radiate, let's go change the world. Love you guys. See you next Sunday.